I'm Shannon. I'm Mark. And this is Dirt Sailor, the podcast. You can find us on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. We also have Facebook and Instagram pages under Dirt Sailor Podcast. Well, happy Throat Punch Thursday. Happy Thursday. How are you doing today? I'm doing phenomenal. If I was doing any better, I would swear I was twins. I don't think I've heard that one before. That's one I use at work all the time. First time on my daughter. <laughs> yeah. Where are we going to go today? Well, a lot of a lot of talk in the news about January 6th, so I did have to touch base on something we spoke of last week, which was there were no filings for anything related to the overthrow, anything related to the overthrowing of the Capitol. It was, you know, people being where they're not supposed to be, people, I can't remember how they, they charged it, but people basically trespassing. They weren't really charging people with the overthrow of the government. But now, in a new filing, 11 Oath Keepers have been charged with seditious conspiracy, and it looks like it seemed to come in response to some of the questioning of the FBI when they refused to confirm or deny if they had anyone on the inside or anyone working for them who were interspersed with the regular rioters and they were they're basically accusing these oath keepers of bringing and getting weapons to the capital and it appears they did so through like they were bragging and boasting possibly that they were going to bring weapons to the capital but so far the FBI has not said that they had weapons that were destined for the capital that were intercepted because of, you know, whatever it is that the Oath Keepers are, are accused of doing. Well, hopefully we'll get a see said weapons when they go to trial. Right. So if one thing I've wondered, if I say, if she, you know, gets in my face again, I'm going to shank her or him or them or whomever. I say it, something off the cuff, and I don't really have a shank. I'm not actually going to shank them. But if I said, that's it, if they get in my face one more time, I'm going to do it. Should I be charged with the crime of actually having a shank and intending on using it against somebody? I would say no. And, you know, I think we're all guilty of that. And said, oh, man, I'm going to retaliate against you. Well, my form of retaliation is going to be when I put my book out and I tell all the little secrets of the last 33 years. No, but it's just... Something that I think about is if we're bragging or we're saying something, it doesn't mean we're actually going to do it. So even assuming the best case scenario, they were all talking, yeah, let's bring guns, let's bring knives, let's bring this, let's bring that. And they show up and they don't have any of that. It was a bunch of dudes bragging. Absolutely. And I guarantee you, just by its very name and the history of the Oath Keepers, that the FBI already had them on their watch list. They've probably already recorded them long before January 6th, so they knew everything about them. So they could have spearheaded this thing and cut it off at the pass before they ever even had the opportunity to do said things. Right. A lot of them, I believe, they took flights up, they drove up, they should have stopped them once they crossed into another state or whatever. Why yes. didn't they? Put them on no-fly lists. There are several things they could have done. I, I think part of this was the intent of stopping any senators from contesting 
the election, whether there was fraud or not. That's something that'll be studied and talked about for probably 100 years when we're long gone. So something I would like to talk about still regarding January 6th. So I had previously said that there was only one one true death, one true murder, if you will, during January 6th. The whole insurrection, as they call it, the riot, however you term it. And that was Ashley Babbitt. So two things. One, the officer who shot and killed Ashley Babbitt was cleared of all charges. Or all, not of all charges because he wasn't charged, but was cleared in that they had they did no wrongdoing so they were cleared not going to charge them not nothing nothing to see here it turns out they did not interview the officer who shot ashley babbitt they cleared the officer without ever having interviewed them boy his department's good i'd like to go to work for them and i I guess there was a couple other deaths there uh natural not natural causes but no, so the rest of them were kind of termed as a, a natural cause. One had a, a stroke, which was one of the officers had a stroke the day after and died. Or I think it was like the night of, evening of, and then the day after was pulled off life support. And then there was a, a heart attack victim. There was a claimed overdose. So with that claimed overdose, the, the coroner listed the cause of death for this woman as an overdose. If you watch the video surveillance footage that was just unsealed a year after the incident, it shows police pushing protesters back and the woman and others fell to the ground. And then the police continued to push them back. So now individuals were kind of getting trampled as the police were trying to stop individuals from being able to come through this tunnel. Well, eventually the police get to where the woman was and a police officer starts beating her in the head while she's down on the ground and cannot move. She's trapped. And the officer starts beating her according to uh, what's going on in the surveillance, at least the appearance of the surveillance. So she gets beaten and it also appears that another officer attempts to stop that first officer from repeated blows. And the officer moves the fellow officer's hand away and then continues to hit the woman. Eventually, protesters were able to pull her out and they carried her to a place where they could perform CPR, which was actually closer to the entrance of the tunnel. A sheriff's officer sees what's going on and then starts taking over on CPR. And then eventually other officers drag her by her foot, by her feet, away from the area and into the tunnel. So really, police killed two that day. This woman was on the ground and was getting beaten. She was listed as a drug overdose. Incredible. And not only that, a drug overdose of a prescription that she had, something like ADD or ADHD medication, something like that. So she was listed as a drug overdose, despite the fact that she was beaten. Also had heard that there was two to four police officers that a few months later committed suicide. I wonder if those were the officers that were beating on her that mysteriously committed suicide because it bothered him so much. Yeah, that I'm not sure, but I have heard that other officers have committed suicide. Must have known the Clintons. Yeah, I must have known the Clintons because that's a, a usual 
situation around the Clintons. Yes, it is. So our southern border, still a mess. Out of control. So did you know that there's a progressive left-wing group that that views immigration enforcement agencies as a threat to civil liberties? So they continue to secure money from the government, from us, taxpayers, federal grants, so they can defend these people and they can keep them from being deported. $158 million last year, as a matter of fact. In federal grants. Federal grants. So when you're charged as an immigrant, it's not a criminal charge, unless you actually commit a criminal action. It's not a criminal charge. It's a civil charge. And it has been ruled that if you are not a U.S. citizen and you are crossing the border as a non-citizen, not even a lawful permanent resident or anything like that, but as someone who is unlawfully crossing the border and you go into proceedings, you are not entitled to representation by our government because we're defending ourselves. It would be a weird situation where you're paying to defend yourself. I wonder if the article I read didn't complete the sentence and say that they were helping migrant children. Well, the thing, even migrant children aren't entitled to representation. It's, it's irrespective of your age. So you're not entitled to representation. So oftentimes what happens is community-based organizations will step in, but they're, they're doing their own thing. They're not supposed to be a government entity. Or lawyers will work pro bono. That happens with some frequency. They can have representation. They're just not entitled to it at U.S. government expense, taxpayer dollar expense. Well, this group, Vera Institute of Justice, even though they're for the defunding of police, maybe they do things with the government money, so it's pro bono. No, they're doing it with government money. So to go with what you're saying, this is not the first instance of finding that U.S. taxpayer dollars are going to the defense. So we are paying for the own defense while we're doing prosecution (laughs) against these individuals. And then it's been found recently that local and state organizations are also funding the illegal immigrants to fight deportation as well. So now your your local tax dollars, your state tax dollars, and now federal tax dollars has noted through grants. We are not supposed to be paying for this. I'm not saying they shouldn't have representation. Right. We just aren't supposed to be paying for it. And we shouldn't be. No, the friends, family, or they they represent themselves. I know it's not ideal, and you're like, oh, what is a baby going to do against a judge? Well, they're still entitled to go in front of the court. I understand they can't put up their own defense, but the United States taxpayers should not be held responsible for anyone who ever wants to immigrate to the country. Because in that case, why aren't we paying for every single person who lawfully wishes to immigrate to the country? Absolutely. And isn't our VP supposed to be handling the southern border? Wasn't she tasked with that job? Yeah, she's doing a great job. Well, our VP is a bumbler. Every time she speaks, gibberish. Well, that's what's great about her and Joe Biden. They speak the same language. Yes, gibberish comes out of her mouth. And it has nothing to do with her race, ethnicity, her gender, none of that, none of the above. It has to do with the fact that she lacks experience and is underqualified for the job she's in. So even if it was a male, which there was a male uh, vice president a few years ago, Uh, his name was Dan Quayle, and they said he was a bumbler and uh, he wasn't qualified to be VP either. Well, you know what? 
man, woman, doesn't matter. They need to stop looking at votes and put people in that represent the United States of America in the event that number one falls and we have to back up to number two. Yeah, what are we going to get if number one falls? It's Exactly. We're definitely going to step in number two. Yep, we're going to be in a pretty bad place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So when's the last time you've flown on American Airlines? Big American? Big American. Big American, I believe somewhere between 2018 to present. Well, 2018 to 2020. I don't remember if it was 2018 or 2019. So one of those two years, Big American. Well, I know we've both been flying quite a bit over the last few years, me a lot, for a long time. And I didn't realize that the former Miss USA was pulled up to a gate by American Airlines and asked to change her top. They said that she was too cute to fly. Is that a joke? That is not a joke. Apparently, they felt that her attire was too risque. And let me tell you what, I saw her picture on TV and she was not too risque. I've seen people dressed far uh, sexier, is that the right term? Uh, whatever you'd use. With far less clothing? Yes, thank far you. Far more showing? Far more showing than what she had. So I don't know if it was jealousy from the gate agent's part or what it was, but she actually had to change clothes. Okay, so side story on having to change clothes. I was at MEPS, and they warned us ahead of time. Tell everybody what MEPS is. It's where you go to see if you'll process into the military, the military entrance processing station. Roger that. So I'm in San Jose. That's where my nearest MEPS station was. And they warned us ahead of time, do not come showing your midriff, don't wear baggy pants, showing your, your underwear or your butt crack or whatever. Make sure you're dressed nice and professional. This is technically a job interview. So don't just show up looking grungy and showing off your boobs or your belly or whatever. No short shorts. Okay, got it. I am wearing a pair of jean pants and I am wearing a long sleeve shirt. That goes just below like the top of the pants and I can raise my hands and I wasn't showing my midriff and I had to stay the night because we were driving up there. It would take three hours to drive up there. We drove up there, stayed the night, and then that day you'd spend all day at MEPS and then get driven back down. At least that's how my recruiter did it at that particular time because that's he had to pick somebody up. So he drove us up the night before to drive the other people down. So, Okay. I had two shirts. One was purple and one was pink. They were the exact same shirt, exact same length, exact same size, everything. So I walk in to the map station where they start processing and I immediately get pulled aside and I am told that I am dressed inappropriately, showing my midriff. And I'm like, "Uh, no, look, it's covered. It goes all the way down. I'm not sure. And I'm getting yelled at to go change. I go to the bathroom, I change my shirt, and I don't remember if I wore the pink one or the purple one, but I I switched to the opposite color. Walk back in, so I am wearing the exact same shirt, just a different color, and then, oh, okay, you're dressed more appropriately now. Well, the colorblind person could identify that color shirt and not the other one. But yeah, so I've gotten tagged for wearing inappropriate clothes to what would be arguably a job interview where they can yell at you and uh, make you change your clothes. And I wore the exact same thing, and then I was fine. Wow. So where's Baltimore at? 
Maryland. Baltimore is in Maryland. I think there is a court case about to get fired up there in Baltimore. I don't know if you've been following the state attorney. Marilyn Mosby. Yes. She is the protege to our VP. Yeah, she's the city's top prosecutor, and she was just indicted Thursday on federal charges of perjury and filing false mortgage applications related to some Florida vacation homes. What is it about left-wingers loving Florida? It's a beautiful state. Maybe we should move there. Maybe we should. You know, she has a pretty good annual salary, $247,955.58. So do you know what she actually did? I mean... I know what she actually did. Filed false applications. She pulled some money out of her 401k. Lied about the reason why. Claimed a hardship. January January 1st to December 29th, 2020, she had no issues with her pay, so there was no reason for her to file a hardship. So they found those statements to be false. It got out over $90,000 based on hardship. Two different times has she filed. That's why she's... That is why she has more than one charge is she filed two different hardship applications in relation to pulling money out. If I made 200 and whatever thousand dollars, I would hope that I was a little bit better with my finances, although Baltimore could be a more expensive city than I've considered, but a little bit better to be able to have that money aside and not have to pull it out of my 401k. Right. Well, when the prosecutors dove into this thing and they started looking at her paperwork, they realized that the IRS had a delinquent tax lien against some of her and her husband's properties to the tune of $45,022. Oh, maybe she was in a hardship. But wait, not the ones that she's buying vacation homes for, so she's not paying her taxes and she's buying more. Correct. Oh, geez. Maybe she was going to retire there from Baltimore and move to Florida so she could pay no state tax. Right, there's no state income tax there. Yeah, but she's probably one of the ones like a lot of these other libs that claim pay your fair share. Yeah, pay your fair share while I move to the Republican place that doesn't pay their fair share when I retire. Nancy Pelosi just bought a house in Florida, multi-million dollar mansion. They're all pretty much in the same neighborhood. It's the blue part of the red state. Let's talk about how having to produce an ID to vote is racist. Did you, have you heard that before? I have. Okay. So having to produce an ID is racist. We just had our president and vice president speak and Biden told a crowd at Morehouse College in Atlanta, I did not walk in the shoes of generations of students who walked these grounds, but I walked other grounds because I am so bleep old. I was there as well. You think I'm kidding, man? It seems like yesterday, the first time I got arrested. Now, what do these two things have in common? Biden is saying that he got arrested when he was fighting the civil rights fight. And so now he doesn't want to have ID as a requirement because it brings us back to that era that he fought for. Right? Right. Or he fought against. He didn't. No, he actually fought for it. But now he's claiming that he fought against it. But hey, that's another side story. Absolutely. But Biden says ID is racist. That's why we need to pass this federal uh, voter law that they're they're looking at passing now. So Biden, our superhero, claims to have gotten arrested 
while fighting the civil rights fight, which is false. And then voter ID is considered racist, but yet they want ID for you to be able to eat in a restaurant in Washington, D.C. Of course. And what do you think all the students there that went to listen to him speak had to do when they first signed up and registered at college and went and got all their books? And what else would they have gotten with a picture on it? Well, they get a student ID. Student ID. But generally, you have to prove who you are. If you want if you want federal funds to help with your education, you have to prove who you are. You have to file your taxes. You have to give a social security number. And by the way, ID is not just one specific form of ID and they won't accept anything else. There are multiple types of identification. Rich people have it. Poor people have it. Middle income people have it. Our vice president has even claimed that rural people don't know how to copy documents, so they can't get an ID. They'll just turn anybody into the next victim when it's not true. People have IDs. All of them do. They start out when they're little with social security cards. So why is having to prove your identity to vote racist? It's not. That's just one of their favorite terms. It's racist. It's racist. It's racist. So... There is a college back east that has an awesome professor. You want to know how awesome he is? How awesome is this professor? He has asked his students to write a paper to prove that the Taliban are not terrorists. Yes, at Penn State. Yep. It was at Penn State. I heard about that (laughs) one too. So that was at Penn State, and he wants a short paper essay to explain why the Taliban are not terrorists. And you know what I would say if I were writing that paper? Well, considering the U.S. cannot fund terrorist organizations and the U.S. is now giving the Taliban hundreds of millions of dollars, clearly the U.S. wouldn't fund a terrorist organization because that's illegal. Ergo, they're not terrorists. Good paper. You get an A. (laughs) And his reasoning, from what I read, was one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Well, I got news for this man. Taliban's been around a long time. What he should do is take a little trip to Afghanistan. Go talk to the women in Afghanistan. Obviously, he can't talk to the dead ones that they've killed and beheaded and raped, but he can talk to the live ones and see how they feel about his statement. You know, a guy needs to really learn the culture before he starts asking students to write a paper that intrinsically on its own face is going to be fraudulent okay well I'll, I'll write a paper or i want him to assign the paper tell me why the january 6th insurrectionists are not insurrectionists and are in fact heroes absolutely especially the guy that was wearing the little bullwinkle stuff yeah uh mr QAnon shaman yeah Yeah, but when you look at an actual terrorist organization, someone who has been labeled terrorist by the United States government long before Biden, well, I would say before Biden, before Biden was vice president, I don't understand how you can look at a murdering organization. They are still hunting out and killing people there. They do not want women to speak. They're not allowed to be educated They say that they'll keep some of them in the top levels of government, but if they're not allowed to speak without permission, who are they? Who are they? That organization is the Cub Scouts of Afghanistan. 
interesting. So Biden's done one year. What do you think of his first year as president? Well, we have astronomical rises in price points across the board. That's great. Inflation being up. That's great. He said he would shut COVID down. So that's great. Yeah, he said he would do a lot of things medically, which he hasn't done. Yep, he said he would take care of us, do everything, and so far we have yet to see it, and things have gotten worse. Gas prices, car prices, food prices, everything's gone up. So I would say in a year, I can see why his approval rating's in the 30s. And like a young gentleman said on the news last night, I'm surprised it's even in the 30s. They looked at the real numbers, it's probably in the high teens, low 20s. Well, there are some people who look to government officials as just the end-all, be-all, and they believe whatever they're told about them. Both on the right and the left, people seem to worship at the altar of insert person here, which we shouldn't be, Republican or Democrat. We should not be worshiping at the altar of our representatives. But somehow we are. Somehow people are looking at him and doing that. It's interesting. Just very interesting the way people look at politics and things in this world today. I I don't get it, but like I tell you guys all the time, I'm just a simple guy. And it's uh, weird that these guys continue to create the problems and they say they're the fix. So in a heartwarming, I don't know if that's the right, in a feel-good moment, there is body camera footage that was released by the LAPD that showed officers pulling a pilot out of a plane. The, the plane landed and got stuck on the railroad tracks. And they pulled the pilot out of the plane mere seconds before the plane was destroyed by an oncoming train. So one of our inspectors at work, who's been doing airplane stuff for about 35 years now, uh, showed me an aerial view of that airport yesterday. And he feels like after seeing it, like I do now as well, that they should actually shut that airport down. Or they need to clear both ends of the runway of several homes and businesses because they're actually right at the fence line. That's a smaller airport. The runway is already short. The uh, thresholds are in quite a ways. So not Fulton. Right. If you lose lose an engine on takeoff and climb out, um, you have nowhere to go. Yeah, you have nowhere to go. And I wonder how he's going to claim insurance. Do you... Uh, Is it a a train crash, a car crash, crash? plane crash, or a car crash? No doubt. Okay, something I do want to talk about with regard to investigations into votes and audits and stuff like that. So in Arizona, the governing body of Arizona, the representatives there voted and funded, helped to fund cyber ninjas to look into they're the voting machines and and the voter records and i remember following following some of this now they ended up saying that cyber ninjas did not find proof of fraud but then it turned out that the company wasn't turning over all of the information so basically they told cyber ninjas what they were going to look at and that's all that they ended up being allowed to look at so that that is an aside So they conducted the large-scale audit in Arizona with a contract. They were under contract to do so. So they had a FOIA request filed against them as they are doing something on behalf of the government. So the Freedom of Information Act was filed, and they are now claiming that they are insolvent and cannot provide records that are being FOIA'd. 
So when listening to their info, they said Arizona refused to turn over all necessary data. And now after the audit, they're saying that they can't provide anything because that company doesn't exist anymore. All of that seems really shady on both sides. First, the company can't be provided all the records. Then the company can't provide anything because they're insolvent. There you go with your conspiracy theories. So they're proven to be true. And getting back to the airplane crash, that was uh, Whitman, Whiteman Airport. Whiteman Airport. That yeah, is so not cool. one that I know. So that sounds like, just from your quick overview, it needs to be uh, changed up or shut down. Yeah, they need to bulldoze two ends of that runway. One at you know, half a mile on one end, half a mile on the other. So I wonder, do we not do a State of the Union I believe we do every year and it will, well, in the past couple of years for a variety of reasons, it didn't always happen on the same date, but I thought it usually happened around January 20th, like inauguration day. And then they would try to do it around the same right. time so each year. I wonder if it's going to be a zoom. They didn't zoom it last year. Okay. So they were actually there in the halls of Congress and they actually did it live. Oh, wait, do, do you do a state of the union when you're inaugurated? You don't, do you? No. Now, they give a speech, but it's so not they really did their own. They did that out. Well, his inauguration right. was outside. I don't recall if they did anything after that. So now, so. now he'll do a State of the Union this year. So since the guy can't compose two sentences complete, how is he going to talk for an hour? Because I think generally, other than Mr. Um, Obama, who spoke endlessly, um, I wonder what he's going to say or how they're going to prop him up so he can actually give a coherent speech. Well, I wonder what they're going to do as far as the teleprompter is concerned, because I, I don't think President Trump used teleprompters. I don't recall if President Obama did. Maybe they have teleprompters that we can't see. So the reason they've been using the sound studio that they built instead of the Oval Office or one of the other rooms within uh, the White House is because they have a big old teleprompter for him in this new space, whereas in the Oval Office or other rooms of the White House, they only have that, like, clear little plexiglass thing. You know what I'm talking about? Right, the little I stand. Do. I yeah, do the little so stand. they'll probably either give him one of those or he he's got to have a teleprompter somewhere. Well, he'll probably mysteriously get covid like the day before and they'll just go ahead and do it by uh, video pre-recorded. He'll probably be in that room. The yep. room we talked about and then they'll splice together Yes. All of his sections that he's talking about, you think that's what's going to happen? Absolutely, something like that, because I just don't see him, after watching him yesterday, do a one-hour speech. He just can't make it through anything. No. He can barely make it through minor speeches. He never takes questions. And I hope history looks at the people that are propping him up, and they really look at them in a bad light, because this guy has no business being president. Uh, they should have left him in his basement. And I hope that this next election cycle, I know who I would most likely vote for. I'm obviously, I lean one way more than the other. I hope they actually put somebody forth that actually is in it for America and not for themselves. Well, there's talk about Clinton coming back around to 2024. Exactly what I mean. <laughs> because if they bring her back, which I don't think there's any way, I think her own party will sabotage her. There is no way they're going to let her run for a third time. They'll guarantee a victory by somebody else. So through the difficulties of these last couple of years, we've had Congress pass and presidents sign 
various acts to financially help out individuals here in the United States. So one of the things that they did was increase the child tax credit. And so it went up from, I think it's $2,000 per child to 3000 or 3600 depending on the age of your child or children. And that's per child. It's, a, it's supposed to be a tax credit, but it's fully refundable. So it's more than that. And then from July to December, they gave it out ahead of your filing for taxes. So normally you would have to file your taxes and then you would get that money. Well, this year, this past year, every month from July to December, you could have gotten a check based on the number of children you would be claiming. And that could be $250 a month, $500 a month, $300 a month, again, depending on your your child and all of ages and all of that. So there were also individual payments to adults, mostly around the 1400 range is what we saw. Well, some Republicans raised an alarm saying that murderers were going to be able to get it on death row and jails and stuff like that. And news organizations, they reviewed it to say whether it was true or false. Oh, the Pinocchios? Yeah, the Pinocchios. So they put out their report and said that all claims saying murderers were going to get this the $1,400 stimulus checks. Conspiracy. It was conspiracy. It was a lie. Whatever. Guess who got their $1,400 check? Charles Manson. The Boston Marathon bomber. Oh, okay. That was close. Yep. The Boston Marathon bomber got his $1,400 check. And when Republicans claimed it was going to happen, they were basically called liars, Pinocchios. So they were called liars. And it turned out to be true. So let's expound on that. So taxes, child tax credit, personal income tax. So I had an epiphany while you were talking. That's a fancy word. What was your epiphany? My epiphany was... If corporations and guys like our Tesla dude are not paying enough in taxes, corporate taxes and or otherwise, why don't we go back to the era of America in, I believe, the early 1900s and let's abolish personal income tax so you don't have to worry about child tax credits or any of that. Let the corporations pick up the bill again since they supposedly pay 75% of the current taxes in America right now anyway. Because, it's, one, it's never enough money, but I, I do agree that it should go back to being a corporate-only tax, that there should be no individual income tax. But then the representatives who are trying to shop for votes would have to find another way to get checks out to people because it's, it's a voter block, of oh, course. Oh, so it's about votes. Oh, absolutely. Because the vast majority of people who are getting these child tax credits now that they're fully refundable, 47% of people prior to this already didn't pay any income taxes. They did not pay any federal income taxes. And so by making it fully refundable, not only are they not paying federal income taxes, now they're actually getting money. So basically it's a handout, whether you look at it that way or not, that's another thing, but it's a handout. And so What's our number now? If 47% weren't paying it before this stimulus, what about now? Now that they've, they were trying to temporarily increase and help families. But one of the things that is upsetting to some of our representatives that Build Back Better wasn't passed, that would have made it around, uh, come around for even longer. And then the hope is that they will make it permanent. So you will have a permanent 
welfare check. Yeah, it reminds me of a young lady that worked in our parts department about 10 years ago. It was tax time, and she had just gone and received her, uh, what is it, W-2? Or excuse me, yeah, W-2. So she goes down, takes it to her tax person. The next day she goes back, picks it up. She's all excited, got a big old smile on her face. I said, what's up with you? She goes, oh, I'm getting $5,500 back on my tax returns. I'm like, wow, you must have paid in a lot. She says, nope, I have a lot of kids. Yeah, and so the thing about that is if we want to decide as a society that certain people are going to get welfare, then we decide as a society that certain people are going to get welfare. But let's not act like it's a tax refund. We are calling it something it's not. You are not getting a tax refund check because you did not pay taxes. I personally have never gotten back more than I've paid in. Not once in my life. And you can say, oh, okay, well, then you've made too much money. Boo-hoo. There are other people who don't make enough. Well, call it what it is. Stop calling it a tax refund. And there you go. Let's not lie to ourselves. But when I worked for immigration, I would review people's documents. And oftentimes people would say, I've been a good tax-paying person. Please let me stay. And if you look at their, their tax documents, now these are people who are trying to stay here temporarily through, temporarily through uh, temporary protected status. And they would turn in a tax document that said, you know, they made $17,000 a year. Try to figure out how they're doing that if they don't have a social security number. You get an I-10, but some people work under other people's. That's a whole nother side story. But they, they made $17,000 a year. Maybe they put in a thousand dollars in federal taxes, and they were getting back six, seven, eight thousand dollars. It's like, okay, your tax dollars, by the way, are also going to people who are not lawfully residing here. Re- yeah, not lawfully residing here, and who don't have lawful status to work. So when they tell you that it doesn't happen, I've seen the documents. It happens. Happens all the time. You are correct, and that's funny you say that because she had told me she only paid in like $1,300 in federal taxes. That's that's just amazing. I don't, I don't harbor any animus or any ill feelings towards her because that's the system that they've put in place and she's just riding the system. The system that who put in place? Our representatives. Yes. Oh, would you look at that? Yeah, the ones that can insider trade. Yeah, I will say what's funny is looking at taxes on uh, when Trump and the Republicans because I don't think any Democrats voted for it, passed the Tax Cut and Job Act, it actually did kind of a plus minus in my situation. For salt taxes, because we live in California, a high tax state, the state and local tax write-off, it was capped at 10000 so that harmed us financially. The thing that was positive was it was the first time we were able to, in, yeah, the first time we were able to claim the full child tax credit, we weren't phased out. Wow. So National School Board Association ripped apart after a letter comparing parents to domestic terrorists. Yes. So I guess there's several states that people have opted out of the National School Board Association. So it was a letter that was sent to the Attorney General of the United States. 
a Freedom of Information Act was requested on the Attorney General to find out what had been said when, because as you noted in one of our prior podcasts, from the time of the letter to the time of conducting an apparent, um, oh, turning it into a case and starting to conduct reviews of what was going on was about a week or so. So just recently came out that the Attorney General, through their office, sent the request with wording on how to word the letter to send to them to get them to conduct said said case. Yes, it was the Assistant Attorney General. That's who it was. Yeah, that sent the letter, that fired the letter off to the White House, that sent it to DOJ, and then they started the investigation or using the FBI to go strong-arm parents locally and apparently that was something that the biden administration did right at the very start when he was inaugurated was to go ahead and start not labeling terrorists terrorists as we were just talking about earlier like the taliban but labeling radicals in america as terrorists and what they labeled radicals was people that had a contrary uh, opinion basically dissenters to dissenters to their opinion yes. or, or their mindset which is basically half of the country which are republicans now i'm not talking about uh, fringe loons on the right or the left that do what they do but a mom like yourself that goes to a school board meeting to talk about critical race theory or whatever's being taught in the school that you're unhappy with and getting a just a touch upset because they keep cutting you off that's when parents get mad and it's okay. That's what healthy interaction with people produces good results. It doesn't produce bad results. Yeah, so they've had parents arrested in Houston, Texas for voicing their opinion. They used um, the local police department. So some of these schools have their own police department. They used their police department to arrest parents who had dissenting opinions saying that they were interrupting the meetings even though they barred people from coming to public meetings and then said the parents were the ones interrupting it. But to, to go back to last year in Loudoun County, Virginia, there was a parent who came to a meeting. He was upset. His daughter was raped. And the individual who raped her was shipped off to another school, got to go to another school where he ultimately raped another student. So he went to a school board meeting to voice what he felt was problematic about allowing boys into girls' restrooms. And he had someone confront him saying, I don't believe you. I don't believe your daughter. And so that was happening to him. Apparently, repeatedly, people in the community were telling him that he was lying and wasn't being truthful about his daughter being raped. Well, the individual who raped his daughter and another female student at that second school was just sentenced by a judge. He pled guilty. He was found guilty of the first charge and I believe pled to the second. But when you are a child, because he was 14 when he raped the first girl and he might have been 15 when he raped the second. When you are a child, it's it goes through juvenile court. They did not try him as an adult. Right. So being... Found guilty is a little bit different. It's not the full jury trial that we're used to when we see adults getting convicted. He was sentenced by the judge to probation in a residential treatment facility. 
He will be on probation until he's 18. So approximately two to three more years, because I believe he is 15 now. And so it will be two to three more years that he'll be on probation, sentenced to the residential facility. Uh, However, according to this judge, it is the first time that they have ever sentenced a juvenile in their court to full lifetime registration as a sex offender. So he will have to register for the rest of his life. One of his victims said, I hope he gets the treatment that he needs instead of just rotting in jail. So they they also thought a part of the victim impact was that they wanted treatment for, for this person. But what was really at issue is it really did happen. That father in the letter that you just talked about was specifically named and labeled a domestic terrorist. Well, hopefully he has recourse to where he can sue. And unfortunately, it's going to be tax dollars that he's going to get, but he gets some money out of it for these guys being knuckleheads and thinking that the man was a domestic terrorist and he wasn't. Speaking of juries and trials and sentences, I believe we talked about a truck driver a couple podcasts back that in Colorado, but he wasn't from Colorado. Right. He was sentenced to about 50 years. 110. 110 years. Oh, man, I was way off. Yeah, I think it was 100. It was over 100. I want to say it was 110. And I don't recall if we talked about it last week, his reduced sentence down to 10 years. Yeah, so the governor commuted his sentence to 10 years. And at first, I was of the opinion that that would have been more appropriate Because I was thinking like a bad car accident, you know, he did a really bad thing, whatever. But it turns out that it was a lot more involved than I had realized when I had initially read about the the situation. Yes, and the one lady that he did hit that lived through it, and then she was a witness, and she spoke before a news outlet prior to the resentencing, stating that the man had asked to borrow her phone. So he could have somebody come pick him up because he had to get out of there because he was going to get arrested. Well, that tells me that the guy shows no remorse whatsoever. I don't care how old he was. He might have been too young to be driving a big rig like that, 80,000 pounds at 21 years old. And I'm sure there's a lot of young truck drivers like that, but obviously he was not responsible enough to be driving in mountains like that. Right. I can definitely respect that. Hey, let's go back to our colleges real quick. And professors and having you do crazy stuff about the Taliban not being terrorists. And here I see we have a Michigan professor wearing a space helmet telling his students on a Zoom rant that they are vectors of disease. Does the space helmet help? Does it have tin foil on it? I think it did help suck the oxygen out of his mind. It says that he had a message for all you students. F you. Man, how did this guy get get a job? Well, Ferris State, I've never heard of it. Ferris State University of Michigan. They put him on administrative leave. Well, maybe the students drove him batty. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of uh, trials that have happened, the Ahmaud Aubrey trial concluded with the finding that the three individuals who were being tried were found guilty and all three were sentenced to life in prison and they are apparently also facing federal hate crime charges that have not been adjudicated as of yet. 
So if they've already been given life, do you really need to waste the money doing that? State court versus federal court. A lot of times these trials just make people emotionally feel better or worse, okay, I guess. Okay, about it's, victims feeling better, which, which is possible. Well, if, okay, so if somebody did something to you and something to somebody else and they were sentenced for what, they were tried and sentenced for what they did to somebody else. And let's say they were going to spend the rest of their life in jail, no possibility of parole. And you say, okay, it's time for the trial against what they did to me. Would you be like, eh, whatevs, let it go. No, push it forward. It's kind of a victim's right too, I guess. Victim's right thing, yes. Even though technically our system is set up to be whether or not it's a crime against society or not in best interest of society, which is how Jeffrey Epstein got that sweetheart deal, wasn't really the best interest of society, but of everyone that he had his black book entries on. So with Epstein, he ended up getting a sweetheart deal. And then because the the state required the victims be consulted, I guess, not that they have to give their okay, but they're supposed to be somehow consulted. It was in the victim's rights, bill of rights type of thing. And they, they kept the victims in the dark. That's actually how they reopened the case and then were able to arrest him and try him because the deal went counter to the law for the victims. So it's actually, some have victims' rights, and that's actually a good thing. So let's add on to that. England, some prince. Would you call it denighting? He's been denighted? No, he wasn't a knight, so oh, that okay. would be sir. Like when you're, sir. Okay. So he has had his, he is no longer allowed to, to have his royal highness. He's, he has had all of his titles stripped away. So that's what you're looking at. Yeah, he's, okay. He has had his titles stripped away from him. So if he is no longer a titled individual, he is now basically considered a regular Englishman. A commoner. A commoner. And he will have to face the the lawsuit that has been filed by Virginia, I think it's Guffrey? Uh, previously no, Robert. part of the Epstein thing? So it's part of the Epstein and Maxwell thing. So what had happened was Epstein signed an agreement with Virginia, uh, she was Roberts, I think, at the time, but with her, with the victim. And in there, there was some language that said something to the effect of, you will no longer pursue me or anyone else that may have harmed you. It was it was kind of written very, like, no specific names were mentioned, and it was, it was written kind of weird, but I'm, I'm not an expert in legalese. So it had that clause in there. And then they got it admitted to this new trial where Virginia is now suing former prince. I don't know. He might still be a prince. He just can't use the title, His Royal Highness. So right. it's a little. Yeah, it says Prince Andrew stripped of titles. Yes. You were correct. So, so now um, he claimed when they got the, the record unsealed, he claimed that he's like the and other people. In there, whoever had wronged him on behalf of, uh, wronged her on behalf of Epstein. That was entered, but then the judge ruled that it, it was kind of weird. It's like in this particular claim only, as it is before the court, you basically are saying that you're guilty of doing those things, 
but you cannot be pursued for monetary damages or otherwise because you're the and other parties in the prior filing through Epstein in Virginia. So that was interesting take. But two, the judge said that they weren't going to rule on whether, or they did rule, but they they weren't ready to just like toss out the the lawsuit. So they're going to allow it to go forward. So the judge allowed it to go forward. And then it appears that Queen Elizabeth stripped her son of all titles. So now he can be pursued that way too. Because sometimes you can't be pursued if you're too too protected, too high up. I'd like to know how the knighthood works. Well, the queen takes a sword, taps yeah. it on your shoulders, well, isn't, calls you a knight. Isn't that singer Elton John a knight? Yes. Yeah. But her own son's not? He's just a prince? No. A knight is the lowest. Oh, a prince is higher than a knight? Yes. Oh. A, a knight is See, like the lowest. I don't know my English lore. I, yeah. know, I know none of that because I don't believe in monarchs. So. Yeah, a knight, you don't have any property or anything that goes with that, whereas like... A baron, you might have the title and the property. Okay. The Duke of York is of York. He's a Duke of York. I'm the Mark of Fresno. That's all <laughs> I know. Well, I own I own um, land in Scotland with my husband, so we are Lord and Lady. That's right. It's Lord Sackett, huh? Yes. Very cool. So, is the Lowe's in your area closing soon? I certainly hope not. I got a lot more shopping to get done. Apparently, there's some lows around the country that are closing. And that's interesting because I believe it was a former CEO of J.C. Penney's who helped wreck Penney's. And they bought him out years ago so he would go away like they do most CEOs. They stock option him out. And I believe he took over Lowe's Corporation. Oh, that's so sad for Lowe's. Yeah, and I had made the comment to someone quite a while back that hopefully he doesn't do to Lowe's what he did to pennies. Jeez, I hope not. Me too, because Home Depot used to be my favorite store to shop when they first opened because they had people that were fresh out of the trades who knew their stuff. Well, then those all moved on over to Lowe's because Lowe's was paying better. Now, unfortunately, Home Depot has a bunch of little snot-nosed kids that don't know a whole lot. They're trying. I mean, I can't blame them for trying, but Lowe's is my go-to place. I see. Yeah, I love to buy stuff for my remodels. So jumping back real quick, last thing I'll say about Maxwell is her, the Maxwell team, the lawyers, are asking for a retrial after a jury person disclosed talking about their personal situation to help convict Maxwell. So prosecutors have indicated that they will drop two charges of perjury, which they are currently pursuing, if the lawyers and Maxwell agree not to have a retrial. I wonder when she's going to pull out this little black book that she supposedly has. Sounds like never. She probably wants to continue to breathe while she's in jail. Yeah. She's so, looking for ways to get out. So I'm looking at a quick headline here. Just throw this out real quick. So you know Rush Limbaugh passed away last year. Yes. And I believe one of the guys that took his place was Buck Sexton. He's a former, I believe, CIA operative, really smart guy. But just a quick headline is that he warns Democrats will face annihilation in midterms unless there's a major pivot. You know, I keep seeing a lot of that from a lot of Republicans and a lot of news people. Hey, the Democrats are doing this. They're going to destroy themselves. Hey, this Democrat's doing that. She's going to you know, lose her reelection bid. What's wrong with these people? 
They only care about power, so they don't care about how it's actually going to impact the United States. It seems like all they care about is what they can do or say to rein in power and then do their nice little things for each other. Yeah, I was going to say, you just you just nailed it for each other because I would let them eat each other alive. Let it go. It's like our U.S. military. What are we there for? To kill people and break things. And with the senators and, and uh, House members, I don't mean kill each other in a literal sense. I mean it's time to politically take them out and take command and get your agenda passed. Yeah, so apparently there's bipartisanship with a recent law that they're trying to to file and pass in the Senate, which is to bar senators and I believe Congress people to a House of Representatives to bar them and their spouses from being able to buy, own, sell, trade individual stocks, which goes along with this is they're talking about eating each other alive base. Well, let them let them eat their own. Let Democrats destroy Democrats. And then sometimes you'll hear Democrats say let Republicans destroy Republicans. Instead, when we have bipartisanship, something like that, like, why don't we go that direction instead? Why don't we focus more on how we can do things that better the United States? Instead, we're solely focused on how we can harm each other or let other people harm themselves, as it were. I believe that was the mindset of a Wisconsin senator. In her words, the last couple days was the filibuster in the U.S. Senate that she would not vote to eliminate the filibuster. And she's a dem, by the way, because it's time that the two parties start working for the people. Yeah, and there was another congressperson who brought up how many times Democrats have used the filibuster in the last so many years. They used it yesterday to defeat this Russia bill that the Republicans put forward to label a pipeline or something illegitimate. Oh, so they'll use it when it it behooves them, but then when somebody else uses it, it's bad news. When it's politically expedient, they'll use it. I wasn't sure if you had heard this. So how long was boot camp when you went through? Eight weeks. And boot camp was eight weeks when I went through as well. So we're talking more or less a little more than two decades apart, still eight weeks. So now we are a little less than two decades since I went through. Do you feel old yet? Nope. (laughs) But it's been 18 years since I went, well, 17 and a half years since I went through boot camp. The U.S. Navy is adding two weeks to boot camp. So now they will focus in those other two weeks more on recruits improving their emergency skills, their war readiness, as well as equipping them to handle issues related to suicide prevention, sexual assault, hazing, and racism. So it will now be a 10-week boot camp. You know, I bet that's something they can teach when the people get to their unit. We don't have to have them there for 10 weeks. Well, I guess the Marine Corps boot camp's probably 12 or 14 weeks still. Yeah, I, I've always remembered it being about three months, right? Yep. And I, I think the Army was 10, 10 weeks, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Hey, an MSNBC anchor has said, Republican proposed changes to debate committee sounds reasonable. 
I'm surprised anyone on NBC, MSNBC would say that anything a Republican said well, is Well, they reasonable. probably only have two listeners, so they only said it to two people. Well, CNN has lost 90%, 90% of their viewers. And that's crazy. And I'm one of them because that used to be my go-to news network when they first came out because they actually had some good reporting till I found out who owned it. Who owns CNN? Well, he's gone, um, but Hanoi Jane, Jane Fonda. Oh, bye-bye CNN. Yeah, was uh, his wife and what she did to our troops over in Nam. I don't think so. Yeah, no thank you. Absolutely. So recently in Hawaii, we've been talking about the water crisis situation there on Joint Base Pearl Harbor. And then it turns out that that water problem extends beyond just Joint Base Pearl Harbor to a a former military base, but now it houses civilians. It's basically like a giant duplex rental with a... I mean, there's housing all over, all over the base, well, former base, and they tout having swimming pools and spa, workout facility, access to the beach, all of this stuff. Apparently, they're also having water problems there. So what they've offered for the, the people affected on, on this particular area is for them to break their lease and move out for no fee. They don't have to pay to break the lease. But if you look at the housing crisis that has currently hit the Hawaii market, there is nowhere for people to To move move. to. And financially, it's devastating for them to attempt to move. But my husband and I actually looked at this place when we moved out to Hawaii. The drive time would have been astronomical, but it is somewhere that we looked at because it was affordability, plus it offered a lot of amenities. And I just look back now, and I'm, I I can't imagine if we were still out there, we wouldn't be able to drink, shower, do laundry. It's just pretty crazy, the water problem that's going on, and there's nowhere for people to go. It's amazing, isn't it, that even paradise is all messed up and not paradise. It is. Sad. So let's talk about solar. Solar. Solar so, cars, solar trucks, solar panels. Solar everything. So okay. let's start with All solar panels. Solar. <laughs> so California is looking at, well, let's talk about all things solar. California is looking at a new tax system, basically. Uh, they have new solar tax proposals. And then they also want to change our net metering program. So right now, if you have solar panels, you have so much solar that gets produced, so much use off the line because... It doesn't, like, in the middle of the night, you're not producing solar, so you can't just get it from your solar panels. Right. If you have PG&E as your local uh, electrical provider, it's the NIMS program that we fall under for our solar, yes. Yes, so they want to create a new net metering program called Net Metering 3 because they've already had net metering programs 1 and 2. Right, you're on 1, I'm on 2. Yes, and so Net Metering 3 would change how they charge, which would be per kilowatt uh, whatever your system is per kilowatt, you would be charged, I think it's like $10 per kilowatt of your system. So if you have a 7-kilowatt system, you would be charged $70 a month for the luxury of being hooked up. That doesn't include how much you produce and how much buying and selling. They also want to reduce how much they'll pay you for your kilowatt hours that you produce, but they still want to charge you the full amount if you use any of theirs. 
So now people are looking at $50 to $80 a month for the luxury of just being hooked up to the system. In addition, when we signed up for Net Metering 1, we were supposed to be guaranteed grandfathering for something like 20 years when we signed up. If Net Metering 3 gets passed, they are going to uh, cap it at 15 years, and it starts from the day you put your solar system in. So we would basically be looking at less than 10 years and we would have to go off to this net metering system. This new one with the extra. Right now we pay $10 a month. It, roughly, it, it fluctuates each month. But $10 a month for the luxury of being hooked up to PG&E. And when you're in a local municipality or city within the city limits, you cannot cut those ties. So you right. can't go off grid in the city limits. It's it's illegal. We've made it illegal. So not only have we told people they are required to start going solar because all the new houses have at least so many panels on their homes. So we want people to go solar. We've told them to go green. We've told them that this is the best thing that they could do for their environment is get green energy. And you do it. And now they're looking for extra ways to charge you because at 80 bucks a month, you're looking at $960 a year just for the luxury of being hooked up. And so if you have a $400 true up, a $1,000 true up, you're still going to look at paying more because they want to reduce how much they pay you when your, your solar goes in, when the electric goes in, not your solar, your electric goes to the system. Can I tell you a quick solar story? Yes. So one of my coworkers was renting a house. Had solar on it. Could not figure out why, at the end of every year, their true-up bill was 3000 bucks. So they decide to buy the home. They buy the home. They start diving into the solar because it was leased solar. And the solar company that originally installed it is out of business. It's a new company now that owns them, but there was no paperwork that had to be signed or exchanged hands. So they basically ended up with a system that they're going to take off the house because they didn't sign for it. And the house, they have the title and everything, so the home's theirs. So a friend of theirs that lives about five houses down is a solar installer. Coworker calls him, says, hey, can you come down and look at my system? We have had true-up bills every year for the last three years of $3,000 plus. This guy goes, sure. Goes down there, puts a ladder on the roof, looks at, there's a box on top of the roof that's called a combiner box. All solar homes have them. He looks at the combiner box and tells him before he even opens it, that's interesting because you have over 30 panels on your roof. This combiner box is way too small for that. He pulls the lid off the box and sees a bunch of wires bundled together and taped up, not even hooked up to any connection point. So 20, I believe I was told, 24 to 26 of the panels had never been hooked up. Wow. Yeah, so henceforth, <laughs> that's why the large true-up bill, but, you know, being the simple guy I am, I could figure out that with that many panels on my house and the size of the system, the very first true-up bill, we'd have been diving into this thing to find out what was going on. Yeah, so we ran into a situation. We had actually rented our house out while we were in Hawaii, and we don't know exactly what the renters were doing. I love the way you say Hawaii. Can you say that again? Hawaii. That's the way it's supposed to be said. Uh, ask a local. I say it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way us Hallies say it. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Um, but 
So our Truett Bills had been in the $400 family. How big's your home? It's over 3,500 square feet. We have found that approximately 80 degrees in the summer. I know it sounds hot, but it's actually not that bad if you set your, your temperature to 80 degrees in the summer. And we do about 67 in the winter. It keeps it pretty pretty decent. So we don't know what they were setting it to. We have no idea. We know that they had a, a solar vehicle that they plugged likely plugged in. They had an electric vehicle. And they had children. They who knows what they were setting it to. Right now our kids are too little to be to be playing with the temperature. But we don't actually know what they did. Their true up bill, if you consider all things considered, would have been about twenty three hundred dollars. And we had never reached above $500, so it was in the $400 family. Yeah, and let's qualify that too because you guys have a pool, a spa, two air conditioning units, and you were able to keep your uh, electric bill very, very manageable. Yeah, so we did that, trying to keep it as manageable as possible. They said there must be something wrong with the solar, so we had somebody come out and look at it, clean the solar panels, make sure everything was good. They said it was good, and we're like, okay, well, Long story short, they they move out, we move back in, and our bills have gone down since then. And we we went back to a true up in the same neighborhood that we were in before. But it's just really interesting how we all use electricity differently. So it's very well possible that your coworker could have had a $3,000 true up and that he would have been over, you know, like an over consumer so to speak because we actually got notification from pg&e that our renters were using more electric than a comparable house in like comparable houses in the neighborhood in the area that did not have solar they were using more electric than them that would have been nice if you'd had a smart thermostat on the house before you guys left then and we could have constantly it, changed constantly it back turn it back up sorry you're renting his house you can't have that house that cool i'm sorry yeah, we need to do some of that for ourselves, just so, to make sure we always stay on track. Not being a doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist, therapist, none of the above, although I played one on television once. Social media parental control app saw a 25% increase in self-harm, suicide alerts among teens in 2021. I think one of the main drivers of that is our current state of social media itself and all the apps and all of these games that people are doing or kids are doing to each other online and in person because you see them all the time because you see all these weird videos with tiktok and other stuff to where hey let's take aerosol hairspray and you know shoot it up your left nostril and see how long it takes you to pass out things like that yeah there's been a lot of increase it seems like in sharing sharing TikTok trends or sharing different manners in which we can scare people, different manners in which we can harm people. There was a TikTok trend that was going around trying to get schools shut down just before Christmas break because people didn't want to go to school. So they started saying that there was going to be mass casualty events like the Thursday or Friday before uh, going on Christmas break. And a lot of it is just kids wanting to get out of school. So they, they see it as a harmless prank but they're really messing with the mental health of other individuals who are scared that something like that is going to happen. And now they're extra scared and who knows what kind of mental harm it does and how that, how that propels forward to whether or not they want to take 
their own life because they have been so mentally damaged by a lot of what's being said and done. Uh, Looking at a current stat from the CDC from 2020, ages 10 to 24, there was 6,600 deaths in the U.S. in 2020. That that blows my mind. You add suicide deaths, gun deaths, uh, cancer, and other uh, comorbidity deaths. What was it? Hundred thousand in uh, oxycotton or drug overdoses. Yes, I'm surprised there's any humans left in the United States of America for crime any sake. How we haven't harmed ourselves even more? Well, we've had the slowest growth point, like point one percent, the slowest population growth since they've been looking at it. So do you think possibly that is somebody's mindset as to why they're opening the borders up, letting people flood in here to help increase our longevity in America again? I think they just see future voters, quite honestly. I I know that's a negative look on it, but I think people look at it and see future voters. So if they're the party that let people in and they can spin it to a positive way, that's the party you're going to vote for. Well, they do, and that was tongue-in-cheek for me because they bring these voters in, and unfortunately... There is no trending to bring people into the American way now because these uh, Dems or one side of the world is convincing people that everything American is bad. So when these people come from, let's just, I'll throw one little country out there, Guatemala, you know, they tend to bring their history and their messages with them. So then their little community becomes a little mini Guatemala instead of new Americans. Right. And if you look at some of our history too, you had Germantown. We There were a lot of Germans from Russia, so our, our family history, Germans from Russia, that end up congregating together. Then you have, you know, Chinatown. You have areas that become, you know, like little Armenia. And so that is not abnormal for people to congregate together with their 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 language and their culture. But we've also been taught, at least from our family history, that outside the home, you also assimilate into the culture. So you don't do those same things. You, you need to, we've lost the language as Germans from Russia because family members quit speaking it. And they didn't want to speak it because they wanted to encourage everyone to learn English and assimilate into the culture. Absolutely. And that was one of your great grandma's lines was, in the house you can speak German or Russian, and then outside of the house you speak English. And even though we had our little Italy and our little Germany and our little Russia and China and all the little communities, we were still all one. We're still all Americans. All American. And so we look at that now as a society, as you've pointed out, half the country thinks that's a good thing. Half the country thinks that it's a bad thing to be, to, to even think that people should assimilate. So we should somehow live harmoniously all being completely separate with completely separate ideal systems, languages. And I'm not saying to drop languages. I think languages are beautiful and culture is beautiful. But if we don't have an American culture, then we aren't. What is it that's going to pull us together as a people to work together? I'm not going to want to work with my neighbor because they're doing their own thing with their own culture and their own way of life. Whereas we do have an American culture, it shouldn't be considered a bad thing. Yeah, not everybody wants to be Western right. civilized either. So and that's, what that- a, that's what a prince in Saudi Arabia said once too. And we were trying to push them more towards being like us. That, hey, wait a minute. You know, just a few years ago, we were all goat herders. 
and we did different things in life, you got to slow down because we have our way of life and we don't want to change. It is really interesting looking at Japan. They have a lot of foreign influence now. So they used to be shut down for a lot of years and they didn't allow a lot of outside influences, but then they started opening back up. They were kind of a, also a hermit nation, much like North Korea, but they started opening up. And when I was there, they were doing like public broadcasting with regard to language. So they have three writing systems. They have hiragana, which is an alphabet for uh, Japanese words. Katakana, which is an alphabet for foreign words. They, the words are pronounced, or like the letters are pronounced the same. They just look different. And then then you have kanji, which was adopted from China. But if you look at it, you would often see these katakana foreign words, like foreign spelling words, inside different postings or newspaper articles or whatever. So the government started encouraging people that if there is a Japanese word for it, please quit using foreign words. Wow. Hey, let's go back to January 6th and a definition. What is the difference between insurrection and rebellion? As nouns, the difference between rebellion and insurrection is that rebellion is uncountable armed resistance to an established government or ruler while insurrection is an organized opposition to an authority, a mutiny, a rebellion. So basically, maybe they should be charged with a rebellion and not with insurrection because I do not believe that was very organized. Okay, but with the rebellion thing, it said armed? Yes. So to me, that still says it's neither. It was because neither armed. armed nor <laughs> organized. Well, I mean, technically, you can say that they were organized. This is probably how they're getting to it. This may not be 100%, but say that they're organized because they all went to Trump's rally to stop the steal. And so when people started passing that phrase, stop the steal, and everybody was coming for stop the steal, oh, look, it's organized. I'm not saying that it was. I'm just, you know, people coming together for the same cause. Although it started at the Capitol more than 20 or approximately 20 minutes before Trump's speech was done. So there were people still at the stuff, the steel rally with Trump that were not involved at all with what was going on at the Capitol. That was happening while people were peacefully assembling in front of Trump. Yes, and they just married up the two, which it was not an insurrection. It was nothing more than a handful of knuckleheads being led by another handful of knuckleheads wanting to stop what was taking place in the halls of Congress. Except for that Mr. Epps. Oh, you mean the FBI guy? Yes, the, the FBI, not FBI guy. So Mr. Epps, who actually appears to have sparked the insurrectionist moments where they were tearing down the wall. Oh, what the would that fence. be? They the fencing. The fencing. Tearing down the fencing. So he actually seemed to have incited the tear down of the fencing. His picture was featured in the top 20, you know, FBI most wanted for the, the January 6th ordeal. And then all of a sudden, his picture disappeared. And FBI agents, when questioned, like, hey, what about that, that Mr. Epps guy? Like, did you catch him? What's going on with him? Because you took his picture down. Typically, that means they caught him. And some of the FBI agents started acting like they had never heard the name before and they don't know what you're talking about. So if you go on the number one most or number 20, top 20 most wanted, and then all of a sudden nobody knows who you are, I don't buy it. You're hiding something. 
you are hiding something. I'm sorry. There's you could say, oh, we made a mistake, but the fact that there has also been evidence that they've taken him out of photos, not just taken down his photo, erased him out of photographs, still photos from that day. There is something going on, and it's a public case. Well, they were caught with their hands in a cookie jar again because they forget that D.C. is one of the most photographed and videoed places in the entire world, and you can't get away from the truth, just like a former president three, four back. Mr. Clinton, I did not have blah, blah, blah. I did not do this. I did not do that when he was clearly seen on video and heard on audio doing exactly what he said he wasn't doing. Lie, get caught, lie some more. Someone confronts you, still lie. Well, see, when they didn't have audio and video, they could get away with these lies and say, it wasn't me, I wasn't there. I didn't do it. Well, and then the uh, news organizations used to cover for all the presidents, as long as they liked the president or the vice president or whoever it was, they used to cover for them. As FDR was tanking in his health, the the news organizations were still writing about how, how he was in his prime and... They were hiding facts because they thought it would it was best thing to do, and then they would get they would all get their little interviews with whatever official you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours t- sort of situation. And so we we have people who have never even mentioned that Mr. Epps was there, nor that he was wanted in top news organizations. It's taken like all these little news organizations, these independents going out there. And dredging up, you know, what what's actually happening. So it's taken all the conspiracy theorists. Basically. Well, and that's another thing, too. You have you have big tech labeling things like that as conspiracy theory. Like if you believe the lab leak theory or if you thought it was a possibility, you were a conspiracy theorist. And they started taking down postings of conspiracy theorists and saying that it was harming society. So then a year after that, you were all of a sudden allowed to say lab leak theory because it sounded plausible, because big tech finally allowed you to say it out loud. Yeah, so somebody like the owner of Facebook who's sitting on the back of his multi-million dollar yacht is getting to make all these decisions for us. Right, and so you say, oh, all of these you know, mom and pop little tiny news organizations are nothing and shouldn't be followed. They don't have the backing of the big guys. Much like the Project Veritas, they say he's a, a right-winger and you shouldn't follow Project Veritas because they're a gotcha media, but they're actually getting out with these ginormous stories and getting out there and doing it and they're getting censored, other individuals are getting censored and it's not because they're not telling the truth. Okay, so they're right-wingers. They have a modicum of truth. Why do we have to believe left-wingers? This has been a podcast produced and edited by the Dirt Sailor Duo. Mark and Shannon are a father-daughter team who both served in the United States Navy. This production is protected by copyright laws. Until next time, anchors away.